Welcome, everyone, to the Untitled Theme Entertainment Design Show podcast from the vaults. From the vault. This episode today uh, that you're listening to is uh, uh, we have our guest, our friend, our friend and yours, uh, Michael Libby uh, from World Builder. And uh, this is a, a, one, of our, one of our deepest, darkest COVID shows where we were in the thick of it uh, discussing um, when and how the parks uh, should reopen. And then they did reopen. Uh, Florida was first, if I recall. Yeah. And it was an interesting time. That's for sure. And I think that's probably reflected in this episode. So uh, please uh, pull down your lap bars of your time machine and enjoy. All right. Enjoy your trip back to April 27th of Hey, everybody. Welcome. No music this time. Uh, for the music. Oh, yeah, I didn't set that up for this time. Sorry, buddy. I, <laughs> That's like all I have on this show. It's all I have. I'm sorry. So, hey, everybody. My name is Patrick Kling. Uh, I'm uh, in the theme entertainment design industry, uh, art director, creative uh, writer, all that kind of good stuff. This is, I got to get better angle. Maybe I, I don't want to, I want to wear my hat. This is kind of like my crutch how should they okay we'll try there anything, anything but backwards anything but backwards okay let me see or maybe yeah i'll just try this how are you we have a we're we're here live folks coast to coast it's uh nine o'clock on the east coast uh six o'clock uh thanks for joining us here today we're going to talk all about COVID 19 and reopening the parks this is this is the action that you want to hear uh, but before we dive into that andy how was your how was your week how are you hanging in there i'm, I'm still here um weekend was good i basically drank wine and played bioshock almost all weekend nice 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 excellent yeah. excellent uh i i yeah i was in the jacuzzi a lot that's cool social distance yeah. in my jacuzzi but in the process i discovered since i switched my projector over to my playstation and had to restart my computer i found out that that's why my computer would never restart properly it was the projector so that was pretty uh, cool. Yeah, 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 I saw that. I saw I was that. Really, really excited about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, uh, I'm just gonna say right up at the front. We're no, we're not here to really talk politics about when and how. Well, we, we might talk about when and speculate on all this, but right but now, who, yeah. Now, who's making the decisions? Yeah. Right now, we know um, that uh, the most of the entire country is under lock and key um trump has donald trump uh has led it to the governors to decide based on some criteria and um some states are a little more bullish than others um and so you know if you want to hear people chatter about you know politics you can turn on cnn or whatever you want that's we're not, we're not here to do that we're here to really get down into the the meat of things and talk about you know what it's going to look like to, when we reopen the parks all that kind of good stuff and so um, we have uh, one of the most famous people in, in themed entertainment in the wings, uh, Michael Libby, we're going to bring on. Uh, he's the only one I know who always goes by his first and last name, even today. As you can see, we have Patrick, Andy, and Michael Libby here. How are you doing, Michael? 
Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. So uh, before we dive in, um, how, do, how do you know us? What do you do? What's your story? We know that you're CEO of, of World Builder, but how, what's your origin story? We want to hear, um, just so people know who you are and what, what you're doing here. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm a uh, themed entertainment aficionado um, who has enjoyed, um, uh, you know, themed entertainment as a fan since, since I was very young and then uh, went into um, operations at Disneyland when I was in college as a part-time job, which is where I met you, Patrick. Uh, we have a friendship that goes back about 13 years. Um, and uh, then after college... Is that the correct spelling of that? It is not. It is okay, not. hold on. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> world, 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 world. Sorry, hold on. Boom. Uh, <laughs> all right. Is that, uh, that's not much better, is it? <laughs> great placement. Um, and then uh, after college, um, well, I did an internship at Imagineering and worked at uh, a company called ThinkWell for a couple of years, um, which I believe is where I met Andy uh, at some point. And um, I then sort of interrupted my career to go to grad school and get a master's degree in interactive media and game design at the University of Southern California. And uh, I've since returned, I've been back in the themed entertainment industry for about five years. Um, and I work a lot on uh, projects involving game engines and game design and virtual reality, augmented reality. Um, and uh, yeah, and World Builder, uh, what we do is we use game engines and specifically the Unity 3D game engine to uh, do pre-visualization and simulation of attractions before they are built so that you can virtually experience them as a designer and um, see your mistakes before you actually make them in the field. Uh, and that's my intro. That's who I am. Happy to be here. We can't hear you, Patrick. Patrick, you, I think you've got to mute. Is that the correct spelling of your company name this time? It is? Okay, it so is. go ahead and do your intro all over again. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's let's okay. go ahead and let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's get to the meat of the conversation. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, I want to break this out and try to organize it a little bit. We have speculation on when theme parks are going to open up, which I would love. Why don't we start off with that? Maybe we, we know the other topics are how they're going to open up, like how, and then the guest experience, how that, so that's almost like three, when, how, and what. So amongst us squirrel friends, um, we'll start with Andy. Like what's your, what do you think about when, let's just say Walt Disney World is, or Disneyland is open. It's probably, it might be a little different. You, um, you know, I, I thought about this quite a lot over the last uh, week, and uh, I've gone from bullish to bearish, I guess, uh, on the bigger parks, especially the Disney parks. Uh, I, at first, I thought, you know, that they were going to reopen sooner rather than later, uh, based on you know all the stuff we've talked about on the protocols and safety measures and and capacity limiting and and virtual queuing and all the other stuff we talked about. But the more I've thought about it, the more I've talked to a few people about it, I'm starting to think that I have a feeling that certain executives in parks and resorts might be starting to think that it might not even be worth opening 
until this whole thing is like really over, like vaccine over. Uh, because I think that it it's going to affect the guest experience and the value for money too much. I think you know there's going to be uh, they have to cut too much entertainment, too much you know live entertainment, too much you know parades and shows and and pyro and face characters and meet and greets and and all that kind of stuff. And you know the the way that people will you know interact with the park and the queues and all that. You know, uh, I mean, like you, you think of a ride like Pirates of the Caribbean, what's it going to be like? six people per per boat i mean yeah. i don't know i i just i just i'm starting to think that the bigger parks with the bigger rides with the higher capacity are going to be much much slower to open than say like a dollywood or a frontier city or even a Knott'sbury farm uh, where a lot more rides are out in the open and it's uh you know not as much uh, large indoor spaces yeah how about you, Michael? What do you what do you think about when uh, will parks start to reopen? Well, when is something I feel like I'm not really necessarily qualified to answer because a lot of that has to do with the trajectory of the virus itself. Um, uh, but you know, I I too have thought quite a bit about you know what what they'll be like, what what will be different um, when they open again, and you know I've I've been seeing photos. For example, of some parks that have opened up in China, you know, where there are like roller coaster trains with two seats per row, and you know, one of the seats per row um, has a sign on it, you know, "Don't sit here because of social distancing." Yeah, and um, to me, that's just kind of ridiculous because, you know, they're still queuing up. Um, it's not really, uh, you know, you can't really enforce the six foot radius in a queue. Um, yeah. So, you know, and and you can't just move all attractions to virtual queues because then you dump everybody out into the walkways and super crowded. Uh, I, I do see the parks opening without a lot of their um, major live events like parades, fireworks shows, Fantasmic, for example, you know, any any event where there are not delineated uh, seats and there are, it's just, you know, it's it's an event that's designed to gather a large crowd. Um, but your guess is as good as mine as to when. Um, I, I know, you know, Disney in particular, they're so concerned about their public image, um, you know, that they, they it, it, it would, you know, it would cost them even more money if something happened at the park and there was an outbreak at the park and, they were responsible, you know, for the second wave, and um, I, I, I don't have an answer for when. It's a, it's a tough one. If you were a Disney executive at Parks and Resorts, if you're Josh tomorrow, uh, what would you do? So you know, I, I think you know, um, I think it's all about the data, and. In regards to that specifically about when is I think that we're going to have a lot of tells and I keep saying this on different channels, but we're going to see what Shanghai Disneyland does probably pretty soon. We know that amusement parks have already reopened in China uh, with what they like you were saying, um, Michael, about uh, having social distancing in place, etc. And I think over the next two to three weeks, we're going to have a, a big tell about what happens when the states that are starting to, um, you know, uh, unrestrict. Um, uh, their the social distancing or their opening up gyms and things like that. If they don't see an outbreak um, that's very me measurable, um, I think it could happen sooner than rather than later. 
um, personally, you know, and I, I think that that's what they're going to have to do is look at those things. You know, do you, do you own, you know, we talk about limited capacity, but you know, I was reading an, an article I had shared earlier um, talking about carnivals and amusement parks and just how, you know, a lot of amusement parks were open while the outbreak was starting to happen and we didn't, and they were confirmed, you know, confirmed Orlando cases, but we didn't see huge outbreaks from people that just had visited Disney world because it's outside or it's, it, and, and the fact is, is that the data shows that people who have like home to home, very close contact, that's how they're seeing the virus spread. Most overall people where you work with people that you're really in close contact with and not necessarily people that you're just passing by um, outside in a park setting. At least that's what the data they had broken down had said. So, you know, it might, it might be, it might, I, I, I kind of go back and forth every day. Sometimes I'm like, they're going to open up next week. And then I read another article that's all doom and gloom. And then I think less. Um, but I think that the, the real, sh um, you know, the thing to look at is going to be um, what Shanghai Disneyland does. And like you said, the smaller regional parks do. So I, I actually, I put up a poll, if you guys can see my screen, um, you know, how long until domestic Disney parks reopen? I did this March 12th of 2020. So a month and a half ago, 65% um, of my followers that submitted said, by April 15th, so they all are wrong. Um, <laughs> by May 15th, um, 23%, and by June and post-June. Um, so I think that most, I think we're looking at post-June 15th minimum, at, at minimum for a domestic park, uh, universals and Disney to reopen. I think it's uh, 2021. I don't think it's gonna be this year. Really? Yeah. You know, do you think that like a, do you think that uh, like a Dollywood or or Silver Dollar City might open before then, Michael? Man, like that's all smaller parts, like a Knotts or whatever. I I think you know as with uh, you know many other things, including ticket prices, Disney will set the example, and and the other parks will follow. Mm -hmm. um, um, but. So again, I, I, I can't I can't really speak to operational decisions like that, but I, I would be very interested in talking about um, once the parks do reopen, the impact that it has on future attraction development, which yeah. I, I think is going to be changed forever. So now, so that we've talked about when we really, I think the consensus is we don't know. <laughs> we really don't know. Of course, we don't know. Um, and people are booking their trips right now and hoping for the best and. That's great. Um, so let's talk about, there's a lot of different things like what happens when they reopen? What does that look like? The phasing. And then I think later on, you know, I think Michael, that's a good closing topic, which is how, how are attractions affected for the future? Um, sure. So, so to start with, you know, what do you think that experience is going to walk, start look like from the time you park at the parking garage for Mickey and friends in Disneyland or parking, you know, at the TTC at Disney world, you know, Andy, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, if the parks open, you know, in the next couple of months, you know, before we have like a widespread vaccine and widespread, real widespread testing, uh, I think that there's going to be tons of security enforcing social distancing. I think that they'll probably hand out, you know, the cheap uh, paper surgical masks uh, and, uh, you know, it's going to be. I think really unpleasant. It's already unpleasant to go through security, you know, and trams and all that garbage. You know, I hate it. But um, I think it's gonna it's gonna feel a lot like getting admitted to prison 
I guarantee you somewhere right now, there's an Imagineer working in costuming, designing face masks that are on show for all the different attractions, or at least- Well, they have, they have those already in Japan. They sell them in Tokyo Disney. They have the character masks. Yeah. So- uh, But, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think you'll be able to buy a ticket at the ticket booth. I don't think that'll happen. You'll have to buy it online. You'll have to buy it online, um, you know, and then, you know, uh, they take temperature tests, like the infrared cameras, like they're going to have uh, at the casinos uh, in Vegas and uh, on cruise ship embarkations. Yeah, I think that those those are the kind of things. Um, oh, I got a comment here. <laughs> you know what? I'm into <laughs> I've seen movies. I've seen the movies, TV shows. Uh, I, 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 it's so interesting because we don't have contract tracing like they do in in. China, where it's on an app and everyone's registered and all that. So we're relying on private corporations to do things or do the best. And never, there's no mass entity to do that for better or for worse. So yeah, I think minimum, everyone's going to wear a mask. And they say that can limit it quite a lot, They can, quite a bit, you know, spacing out in restaurants um, and uh, every other people in the seats. I think what's so interesting to me is, is I'd love to talk about Temperature checks, like you said, and maybe do you have to sign a waiver or you have to get COVID mass testing, have just gotten a test. I don't know. But what's the demand for theme parks going to be like? Um, that's a huge thing. You know, I had people saying, oh, you know, is this like after 9-11 where it, it just tanked? Nobody wanted to travel anymore. No one wanted to go anywhere. And I don't, I don't want to be harsh, but we're having a 9-11 a day in deaths every day from COVID-19. So it's very it's very harsh right now, and and depending on how the responses go out over the next couple of weeks, and with the relaxing of restrictions, who knows what that could what could happen with that? So, um, I read an article. I read an article today uh, that interviewed a British uh, uh, travel agent, and you know they did like an informal survey of their clients, and basically all their clients, you know that that often you know, visit uh, the Orlando parks for their vacation. They're just like, they're desperate to go back and they will, you know, put off major purchases to, you know, have that escape and go back. Mm. You know, it's like kind of like whether they can afford it or not kind of thing. So, I mean, I think that's going to come down to airlines offering routes again and, you know, the parks being open. But I think, you know, the demand will rise. And like I said before on our show, I, I, I really think there's going to be huge local demand when the parks open back up, even, even if it's really hard and unpleasant to get in. Yeah. Well, in, in Disneyland, you have the huge annual pass local base. So we know that, you know, the majority of people there are just traveling from a short distance, but it's the Orlando, which is what, even if you had all locals in a park, you know, that's, that's still not a crazy amount of people um, to go, to go. So what, how does that look like? And also when, you know, 30%, you might be have 30% unemployment, do people have money to take vacations? You know, that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of things I'm, I'm very worried about. You know, I'm, I know I'm making financial decisions based on this, like rationing down, um, definitely not planning any trips. So, you know, and people might be still booking trips or they still be maybe keeping their reservation. But what happens when those members of those families lost their jobs and they have the trip still booked, but they're going to, they plan to cancel it eventually. You know, that's, that's going to be huge for our industry as a whole. You know, what, what are parks going to need to do to entice people to come back? Or are they just going to come back because they want to come back because they haven't been able to go? You know, Michael, what do you think about any of this? 
Well, this is something that I've, I've been thinking about a lot. And I think, you know, um, we've, we've been in this period of growth of our, of our industry for the last 10 to 12 years, um, where, you know, there was a, a high amount of competitive uh, innovation due to, you know, the fact that there's competition. Universal has this new Harry Potter world and Disneyland or Disney World has the Star Wars land and they have billboards up and they're advertising these things, come here because we have this new thing or come here because we have this new thing. Um, and that's that's the messaging of a lot of the marketing. But I think when the parks do reopen, whenever that is, the messaging is not gonna be come back and see this new thing. It's just gonna be come back, period. You know, yeah. come or come home, uh, you know, something like that. And um, I think people will come, but again, I, I I worry about, frankly, about our aspect of the industry as designers of these new experiences. Um, I, I I think that the the era of what I've been calling the F ticket might be over, um, because the financial models are just different now. You know, if not if not as many people are coming, and if they're not getting the per capita spending that they got last year. Um, then they're not going to be able to build these mega attractions anymore uh, because the numbers just don't add up. So what does that mean for, for, for us in terms of employment? What does that mean for the industry as an art form? Um, you know, these are, these are a lot of questions that I, <laughs> I know you brought me on. I, I don't really have any answers to any. We don't really have any answers, but we at least could speculate because we, we, yeah, uh, we, yeah, we, we, we like opinions. Yeah. yeah. It's all opinions. Um, it's the talking heads having opinions. Uh, I, yeah, I I really think about um, that demand issue, and I'm. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, you know, because are people gonna cancel their trips to Europe, or they and they're just gonna want to drive down south or to go local, you know? I mean, I have that local park effect too. Um, you know, we already we've already heard that the plans for the, that they're gonna are you know they might open up just to Orlando and to Florida, and then kind of keep branching out for necessarily for Walt Disney World. But I think what the interesting um, th thing is is who's if there's not a vaccine and we don't have the data to prove uh you know how how are people gonna are they want to gonna go and expose themselves and and be like right now i feel like i'm completely sheltered i have a mask when i even just drive down the street um to you know to do something that i need to do you know so i don't know what's going to take people uh, to feel comfortable again and how how have our trends as humans and consumers changed with all this you know I had an idea this last week. Um, what if, how do you guys feel? How, what do you think of uh, if they turned, like say Disneyland, Disneyland Resort, for an example, what if they basically turned it into a boutique experience where it was basically just VIP tours, groups of 10 or less, $1,000, eight attractions, two meals, and a pyro show, and it, it's, only, it's only eight hours. You know, and you know, there's there's two restaurants open, maybe three. You get snacks, but you know, like Space Mountain's open, Star Tours is open, Pirates is open, Mansion is open, Star Wars Land is open, and like Dumbo or something. You know, there's just like yeah. eight or ten attractions, minimal staffing. You know, all the ODV carts are gone, pretty much. There's you know, just Main Street shops, some Main Street shops open. You'll turn it into a boutique experience where there's like maybe a thousand people in the park. Yeah, and Andy, that's, that's that's as a phase one or permanently. You're talking about just phase one. Yeah, 
I, yeah, I mean, I think that, that like, it's so interesting because we're going to be able to see what Shanghai Disneyland does. We know it's going to contain virtual queues because they have the system ready to go or, you know, they're, they potentially could be working on it right now as we speak. So keeping people away and it's all about figuring out, are people worried about sitting next to somebody? How close are people going to feel comfortable with? Um, if not, everyone has, you know, if everyone has a temperature check, everyone maybe had signed into a, um, into a system where they got a recent check for COVID-19 and they were okay to come in out of state, you know, how, at what point are we feeling comfortable as consumers to go back? And I don't know. It's so, there's so much mysteriousness and so much unknown and we are getting so much conflicting information that I, I know I just feel like I'm in a perpetual state of, I don't know, I'm just going to turn the channel off, you know? I don't think that you can, I don't think we can really draw too many comparisons between uh, what's going to happen in China and what mm -hmm. could happen here because there are so many cultural differences uh, yeah. in terms of uh, the Chinese uh, reaction to the virus and, and all the uh, technology that they've thrown at it with all the contract tracing and the app on your phone with the QR code that you have to show to like get in that, you know, you, you, you know, either been cleared or you've had it or blah, 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 whatever, you know, and then also they're culturally much more used to, to wearing a mask and you know doing whatever you know the government says is is right you know like the government says you're safe you're safe i and I, I think that's going to be interesting to see is if these restrictions start to lift and we get another outbreak or we get more of an outbreak um is there going to be a big movement to to push for these very restrictive um things that say when you're going to do contact we're going to get an app out there everyone has to use it if you want to go in public like is our americans just going to have to deal with it uh, if we're going to get serious about it we know we have the most amount of deaths we know we have the most amount of cases in the world um and you can kind of split that up per capita but we know that this got completely out of control because people were coming in and and it wasn't quarantines and and it was weird it was too late of a response but are we going to be like if you're facing the fact that you need to stay indoors and our entire economy is shut down versus okay, put an app on and, and you need to show, you need to track wherever you go. Like, would we start as Americans being okay with that and start to accept that? Well, I have, I have, I have some thoughts on that. You know, when the, the first time that I went to Star Wars land and I rode the Millennium Falcon ride, I got off and I booted up the app and I looked at the Star Wars section and it had my score from, uh, from my ride. And I was I was stunned um, because I didn't cons I, I didn't think I consented to anything. Like, how did it know that I was in that ride vehicle that got this particular door? And I start to think about it, and you know, it, it had to have been in the terms of service that I agreed to when I first installed the Disneyland app on my phone. So I don't know that there's going to be a a you know a federal mandated app, but I could definitely see a company like Disney backdooring some level of surveillance, um, you know, into the app itself where it, it, you know, lets you know if you're near somebody uh, who, who has tested positive at some point, you know, you get a push notification or something like that. So additional functionality into the, the uh, privatized app that you have to mm -hmm. use. So we, we've, we've kind of danced around it a little bit, um, but we can move on to, you know, what's the future of theme, attractions in this world where nobody wants to touch anything and everyone wants to Lysol their hands after opening a door. You know, Michael, you were, you were kind of chopping out the bit at that one. Do you want to get us started? 
Well, I mean, look, it's things have changed so much overnight. I mean, you know, back in our operations days, Patrick, when when I worked on the Jungle Cruise, you know, getting the boats loaded and unloaded, we we are trained. We have to touch every guest by the elbow and like help transfer them into the boat and keep them steady. And that's, you know, mm -hmm. that's that that can't happen anymore. And I don't know what the solution is there. Um, but in terms of wait, sorry, what was the question? Oh, like, <laughs> so like, how will the, so we know like maybe operational things like that may happen, but what, what is the future of the design of theme park attractions? So I see future experiences, like we know that like, right, the idea of designing a Millennium Falcon right now where everyone touches buttons, um, at least if you're living in a COVID-19 society, isn't great uh, for that. And this, you know, these are, comp this is the, like, this is a, a once in a generation, not even a generation, once in a, you know, de uh, century kind of thing, you know? So what do you think, how, and we, you know, we never, we never ever talk about things that are in development that we know are happening. Cause you know, we're under ADA and DAs and all that, but you know, what do you think is going to be the future of themed attractions based in, on this, the fears of people, maybe they're not, they might be unfounded, because um, we know that the even even at so many the the percentage of people having it is low at least what we know from the data. So what what are your thoughts on that? Or Andy, if you want to answer the question, so Michael can think of his response, that works too. Well, I I, I you said like it's a, like you said it's a once in a century event, and I wonder if it really will impact uh, design, you know, of stuff, you know, three, five, six years from now, because you know one hopes that you know either we achieve herd immunity in you know worst case scenario or there is a vaccine and then you know th it's essentially over and we're just waiting for the next one mm -hmm. do we design for the next one um or do you just go back to business as usual you know like you know uh you know we're all familiar with the you know what you know like i said before with marty's car saying you don't design the church for easter sunday but then do you redesign the parks for the next pandemic mm. yeah yeah, and yeah, I, I, yeah, um, Michael. Uh, had some time to think about your question. Now. <laughs> um, um, I think you know, uh, like, like for me personally, I don't mean to make light of the situation, but I, I am not me personally living in Los Angeles as a thirty-six-year-old who is in relative health. I'm, I'm not fearing for my life today at this very moment. Um, so I would not have much of a problem going back to the parts. But when you talk about the demographics, um, I think that might change forever. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to think twice about ever bringing grandma to the park, um, you know, and it used to be this multi-generational family thing where three generations could go and have a great time together. Um, and we always talk about in our design language that these things have to really appeal to every type of guest and they have to play super broad but maybe we'll see a narrowing to, to some extent of the type of guests that are having these experiences. Mm. Um, and, you know, that will maybe, you know, lead to the creation of new types of experiences. And then the, the, the other thing that I've been thinking about is the concept of a digital twin, a digital duplicate of the park. Mm. Um, that is a 3D environment that you can walk around and interact with and you go into it in VR and you know it's it's um you know you're 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 exploring you have a character and a presence there in perpetuity and perhaps you know take some lessons from vmk 
10 years ago where you have to go to the physical place to get to unlock some things, you know, the special VIP lounges and the digital place. But just just this idea of a physical experience now being paired with a duplicate digital one, I think mm -hmm. might be something that we start to see. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, I I think that there might be a, a temporary like we all know where uh, attractions were going. They were going fully interactive, customized experience. And I think that right now there's going to be a push to potentially put some things on hold that maybe we're a little leaning into that. But I think long term, I think people are going to think this was a very this is a completely rare event. And I also think that different segments of the population are reacting different to this. You know, we all saw footage of people going to the beach um, and it would look like the same exact demographics that you were talking about, um, Michael. You know, young people were going to the beach um, everywhere, you know, in California and Florida, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, anecdotally, I went to I've been in like this weird professional bubble where everyone I know is hunkered down and no one's doing anything. And, you know, I, I did like a liquor store order where I had to go pick it up. You know, I'm wearing my full hazmat suit and getting things, to, you know, getting my several hundred dollar order of of alcohol for the next three months and there are people walking in and out willy-nilly with no precautions whatsoever um buying a six-pack and i'm and i'm and i'm like just, just a six-pack you're at a liquor store for you know like in a like a you know like a mass and i was just like wow i'm in this bubble but is the rest of the population not really taking it's not necessarily taking it seriously maybe they just don't have the option to um but you know, I'm going to get more than a six pack if I'm walking into a store and putting myself at risk. So are we like in a weird bubble? You know, that's what I'm curious about. Don't you mean three weeks, not three months? Well, it started off as three months, but you know where we are now. <laughs> um, what do you think? What do you guys think about like an attraction uh, just as a, a case study for this discussion, an attraction like Buzz Lightyear uh, Astro Blasters? Do you think there's going to be in that zone between uh, unload and load? somebody like wiping down all the guns, wiping it down all the guns, you know, like after every single use. And then like, how long does that last? How sustainable is that? Is that just, you know, is it going to be like the 3D glasses thing where every pair is washed after every single use? Yeah, you know, you, know, you might even have it where the, they take them off for the when they reopen um, and just have that attraction be a ride through. Um, cool. but, but then, you know, yeah, it would be, why it could be wiping them down. We all know how inefficient that was when they were doing VR on roller coasters, how that was just complete right. craziness. So is it, you grab your own wipe and you, as you're going on, you wipe it down, you know? Oh, I, like the bin of wipes and, you, and you're on your own. Yeah. Or, like, or like, like, you know, like they hand you a wipe as you go on, like, like when you're walking into a Costco or whatever. Yeah. That, that'd probably be the most efficient way of doing it, you know? And, um, but, but so sorry, but, the thing is, by the time you've sat down on the Buzz Lightyear ride and grabbed it down, it's already too late. I mean, you know, you've walked through the you're gate. You're already dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're if, dead. If, if you're, you know, if a risk of exposure is the concern, it's, it's you know, that's too granular, I feel like. So it, 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 really already, it already happened in the queue when you were, like, closer than right. the previous person. Well, and that's why I, I think it's going to be very key to see what happens when you're what is, how are people actually getting this transmitted? You know, is it touching door handles or is it, is it with the people that you're with? You know, I think that they, they need to figure that out um, before they start making practical changes. You know, 
I could imagine a scenario where they're just like, we're going to open up Epcot, but it's just going to be, you know, uh, our, you know, R&E or whatever. It's just going to be a walkthrough, walk to the, watch the fireworks show at the end of the night, come and drink and have fun. Um, maybe and attractions aren't even open, you know, that they could, they might be able to do something like that. Would you go to the, I would go to Epcot just to walk okay. around it. I, that's all I've done the last like yeah. three or four times I've been to Epcot. It's just like a giant food court. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine that we're just ramping back up. I think that people would social distance at all the restaurants, all precautions, everyone's wearing masks, have a fireworks show at the end of the night, and it's just open at night. I mean, I could definitely imagine it. I mean, I, I'm not sure how out of the box they're thinking about it, um, but we're gonna, we know we're going to have tells. So they'll start to reopen construction sites. They'll start to – they're going to follow what other states do. Um, but it's going to be fa- – it could be fascinating, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, there were a lot of people who said, oh, this is going to be over in a couple of weeks. And we all know that that's not the case, right? That that blew by very quickly. That would have been the the best case scenario where everything just turned back on like a light switch. Uh, but now that it's been such an extended downtime, all bets are off, you know? It, I mean, it's a really interesting thing. We're, we're, we're all, you know, we're, we're all so-called industry experts, but nobody knows what's going to yeah. happen. I mean, one possibility is, you know, uh, here here in LA, we're always talking about traffic, and yeah. um, you know, there was just this major expansion of the four or five freeway, and they added a couple extra lanes, and it didn't really help traffic at all. And the reason is because um, if there's a vacuum or a vacancy, and suddenly the freeway is not crowded, then people start using it more, right? And then it just becomes crowded. So there's kind of this interesting that may happen this this thing that may may happen where you know everyone says oh man now's the perfect time to go to disneyland because it's not crowded yeah but then they start going and then it becomes crowded again and but it that, happened, sort of that happened with um uh when galaxy's edge opened uh right you know it, it started to become not crowded and then people just stopped going yeah mm. So we have an interesting comment from Gregor Harris. He, I know we, we I don't know if you remember him from uh, operations at Disneyland, but there's chemical applications that can be applied to hard surfaces that provide antiviral protection for about 10 days. Airlines have started using it, so that could be a real game changer if they apply that to every single uh, every single seat, every single handheld, um, and it's proven to be effective. That could be huge. I feel great about that. Yeah, Patrick, you had said something about adding something between unload and load. I, I certainly think that many attractions will have to be retrofit in some way. Um, you know, we kind of went through this whole wave of retrofitting for ADA accessibility, mm-hmm. like adding that transfer table at Space Mountain. And, yeah. uh, you know, those, those things are expensive to do, to go in and tear some stuff up and redesign. And, but, but it's very possible that it will have to be done. See, I, I think it's all, I think it's temporary. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't. I think we're going to see temporary adjustments. Definitely for the haunt season, you're not going to see the conga lines going through, you know, Halloween Horror Nights or Not Scary Farm if they're even open by then. Um, you know, you're going to see distance and, and these different experiences that could go premium. You know, I think that you might have been on, you're onto something there, which is if there is this pent up demand, you know, people might want to pay a lot more. But I also think if the demand isn't there for Walt Disney World, are we going to see prices go down? You know, we know they're going to have to advertise and all that. You know, that was my next question. Like, if you if you take if you turn Epcot into the mall, 
uh, concept, you know, where there's no attractions. It's just, you know, drinking and eating and shopping, you know, and even if you do that to other parks, do, do you re reduce the admission prices? And then how do you handle annual pass holders that have already paid that premium price for all the attractions and shows? Yeah. What do you give yeah. them? How do you compensate them? Yeah, I mean, it could be just a, an extension. Keep adding on while they figure things out. Yeah, uh, Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> yeah, actually, not a, not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, I, it's it's very it's going to be very interesting, um, and nobody really knows quite yet. We know what they're doing out the outdoor parks in in uh, you know in in China, but we also know that they have a lot more restrictions, and you have a QR code, and you're tracking and all that. So, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of just want to like crawl in a hole and just wish it's, you know, 2022 and we're all out of this and we all have jobs and it's all happy and good. Um, but it's, it's, it's very interesting, um, to think about. So, um, Michael, uh, any wrapping up thoughts you have about this, um, go ahead and plug your company again. We want to make sure we give a big, uh, plug for your company. Let's see if I can get that, that really great logo. There you go. Yeah, there it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can get a traffic spike tonight. <laughs> I, I do have it as a little bug in the top right. corner. Let me. Um, well, no. So I look. Uh, the to me, these are. It's a new set of creative constraints. You know, we what we do is we design things. You know, everyone says, "Oh." They think outside the box, but no, we think inside the box. We have constraints that are given to us, budgets, facilities, footprints, all these things. And we, it's like a math problem that we need to come up with an answer to. So, you know, this is a new set of constraints. I was just thinking earlier today, like, um, you know, we're talking about giving every guest a mask when they go in, which seems crazy, but guess what? They do that at sleep no more. Everyone wears a mask. Yeah. And, you know, that's obviously not a medical mask, but it does anonymize the audience and sort of them out of the picture, which almost, you know, creates a deeper sense of immersion. Um, you know, so what what are ways that we can take some of these new constraints and and make them new creative challenges? Yeah, well, I know that here at Pachinko Media, we're developing antiviral music. Oh, very nice. I'm kidding. We're not. Hi -oh. <laughs> yeah um andy any 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 wrap-up thoughts for the future uh to to you know uh, add on to what michael was just saying like you know everybody wearing masks honestly i'd rather have you know maybe there's a way that, like the guests can all wear masks but the uh the cast members don't i don't know how how would that work yeah i mean i i i, I think you, know, in Zealand, you can even wear sunglasses you yeah. know, you would not even be able to wear sunglasses as a cast member outside. Yeah, it might be now. Everyone has to wear glasses. Like you might have just goggles on. Could you imagine that? Where you are the big plastic face masks. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I uh, to the top of our talk. You know, sure. you ask, when are the are the parks going to reopen? And I said 2021 because all of these things we're talking about and that we're dancing around. You know, th these aren't. These aren't practical things that are sustainable in any way. And so the only thing that, that is really going to allow, you know, the parks are designed to operate a specific way and changing the way that they operate is a tremendous undertaking. And so really 
the only way to go back to normal is after after there is a vaccine uh, or you know after this has passed so mm. um, and on a smaller scale you know like restaurants you know your local your local restaurant is not designed to operate at 50% capacity either it's designed to operate at 110 120% capacity especially on friday and saturdays and lunches you know if it's a lunch business lunch restaurant it's like you know most restaurants wouldn't survive if they had to eliminate 50% of their tables yeah yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't. You'd have to be charging a lot of money to have a small group of people, or to have two thousand people in the park, or three thousand. That's just not going to pay the electric bill, you know. That's what I said. Like, you know, it's like a VIP experience where everyone's paying a thousand bucks for eight or ten hours in the park. You know, is there a model that that could work? Is there a demographic that would sustain that enough? Are there enough people that would do that? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There's, a big, there's a big statistic that we use at the parks, uh, guests carried per hour of labor, mm. um, you know, and in, in that sense, from an operational standpoint, the, 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 as an operator, the most attractive rides are the one can carry the most guests with the fewest number of operators. Uh, and so that's the highest um, guest carried per hour of labor. Tell so that the resistance. What's that? Sorry. Tell that's a rise of the resistance. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if all of a sudden we're saying, OK, we're going to staff it the same way because we need operators, you know, we need one operator at load. We need one at unload. We need one at uh, seatbelt check. And if you're staffing the same number of operators, halving the, the capacity, then your guests carried per hour of labor, um, you know, gets completely blown out of the water and your entire rental model changes. So I, I don't think it's feasible either. Um, yeah because you can't cut staffing positions. Uh, so that mo that money does have to come from somewhere. So it would have to be charging higher ticket prices. So you, you know what's so funny is I think we could do this exact show just every month on the 27th <laughs> to see where we're at and how things have changed. You know, I I, I really don't know. Um, I, I do think that things will get back to a normal um, in regards to how the theme parks function and how the, the rides that are being designed. I still, I think we will still go back to interactivity, full immersion, um, maybe not F ticket level tickets, but I think that was already happening before this. Um, so I think what we're heading towards is a really weird and odd three to five months. And, it, and I do think it will be a phase in of experiences, testing the waters. Um, and I don't, I don't think Disney's gonna be the first to leap. I, I think it will be regional parks and it'll be under strict, you know, cover from the government saying, yeah, we're gonna allow this to happen um, and to, to do it, unlike what happened last time, which was the companies closed down before the government stepped in. Um, so uh, I don't know what the future holds, but I think it's gonna be, I hope, I, I would love to be in a world where the country, the states that are kind of wrapping up and wrapping up the restrictions, everything's okay. Um, they don't have a rise in hospital, hospital beds and the curve stays flattened. Um, maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't. Um, but, uh, I, I think it's, it's going to be a crazy, it's gonna be weird to watch, you know? So, um, that's all the time we have today though. Um, Michael Libby, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sure you'll come on again and again and again and again, uh, check out world builder. Um, this is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's just like old times. Uh, yeah. thanks Andy for, uh, you know, co-hosting the show as usual next week. We're planning to, 
I think we're going to plan to do a little dark ride. We're going to talk about our favorite dark rides. So a little lighter of a subject, which is going to be fun. And um, tell, I'll talk all about that. Uh, but until then, thank you for joining us. Dark subject. What's that, Mike? Dark subject. Never mind. It's a stupid joke. No, go ahead. It was hard to hear you. What was that? I was saying you said it's a lighter subject, but it sounds like a dark subject because yeah. it's a dark subject. Uh, I mean, uh, joke passed us by. Good. No, it's really <laughs> good. Really good joke. Um, so, yeah, join us, guys. Uh, we, we moved our show to be uh, Monday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Like, get your notifications, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can find all of us on Twitter. Um, and we'll see you another time. Thanks for joining us, folks.